You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome back to TFM's local watering hole. I'm just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, Ashy. Wait, you haven't been here for the last five years. Who are you? Oh, I just blipped in. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. What? And 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 you are? Uh, I am America's ass part two. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't recognize you facing frontwards. You know, usually, you know, yeah, you yeah. got it. Anyway, uh, sitting down, it's so hard to tell. Um, but uh, well, welcome, <laughs> welcome. I'm so excited to be back tonight, and uh, we are going to be diving in, Christy and I, to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the second MCU series uh, that's come out from Disney Plus. They are going to. They're cranking out the series because we're going to have Loki right around the corner as well. And so, uh, and then, of course, a bunch of films coming out this year, and they just announced Phase 4. So, uh, Marvel fans, celebrate. Uh, but we are here. Woo-hoo. We're excited to talk about this with you. we got so much to dive into, so... Don't forget, um, we would love it if you would subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. If you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, too, please give us a star rating review. Help people find the show. Help the show continue to grow. You know, we've been going, this is the 330th episode of this show, as well as all of the supplementals we've done. And when you look at all that, we're almost, we're past 360. So... So much we've done on this show, and we need your help just to continue to grow. So uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, follow us over there. Help people find the show that way by tweeting about us at the 602 Club. We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. Both of those places you can follow, you can like, you can uh, interact with Christy and I. You can also find us online at trek.fm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. We've got the listeners only discussion group you can join called the Babel Conference on Facebook. And if you want to send us an email, we'd love to get an email from you. Maybe you have some thoughts on anything we say here or anything else uh, that we've talked about. Go over to trek.fm slash contact. Huge thank you to associate producers here, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah. Uh, they support the network through Patreon as well as being associate producers of this show. And it's really important. If you like everything that we do here, we definitely need your help. So go to patreon.com slash trekfm and you can see how you can be t- part of the team. Uh, we've got some great contribution levels, but in the end, you know, every little bit helps. So again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. So Christy, uh, there really is so much to talk about. Obviously, we're talking about a TV show, and we've got six episodes to kind of try and digest here. One of the things that I was really interested in is that I felt like, to me, this show does a much better job of following up Endgame in the sense of, and even, uh, you know, we had Far From Home with Spider-Man kind of being a follow-up to that as well. But, you know, this whole thing is about the aftermath of the world post-blip. And... That was really fascinating to me and something, again, uh, that just blew WandaVision out of the water is that this should have been the show to follow, 
to be the first one because this is the one that's dealing with all the ramifications of the things that we've just seen basically in the MCU, mainly Endgame and then, of course, Spider-Man Far From Home. And so I was really interested in how they would deal with this. And I mean, like all the things related to Captain America, they take this whole idea of being world post blip very seriously. Yeah, well, and I think you have to with coming off of Endgame. I mean, that was a very serious film. And then, you know, having Infinity War and Endgame and then coming, you know, to the next stage of things, all of us were left on that cliff going, what now? It was no longer full of jokes. It was this really deep, dark hole that it felt like the world was now in because the blip happened. Um, so many characters were now gone and we didn't know if they were coming back. Um, and so I think that it does really make sense then, especially with the way that Captain America's storyline wraps up there to come into this one. I, I do agree with you. I wish that this one had been first and then we'd go to WandaVision. Um, just because it, it feels more natural mm -hmm. since we already right. knew that Cap intended to pass this on to Sam. Well, I think it just, you know, it brings you back in in a way that connects very well with what happened, you know, previously in the MCU. You know, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. this this really is a big deal. And, and so, you know, we during the blip it's really interesting it, it, it there's this whole uh side of this where we kind of learn what life was like then obviously when half the world's population leaves um we learn that you know kind of national boundary lines kind of ceased really being important because people were having to move all over the place to cities to take mm -hmm. jobs to do things that people are no longer there to do uh and now of course, people have been blipped back into existence five years later, and it's really created this humanitarian crisis because all those people want their homes back. And so the question is, like, mm -hmm. who should be homeless? You know, should the borders be reset? Should we send people who've been in a place for five years back to where they came from, um, even though that's home to them now? And that was that they have those jobs now. They they live in those homes. So. Um, this is something that I thought was really, really interesting and obviously a fascinating question. The one thing I will say is, though, I don't quite know if the MCU is quite capable of ha handling a question and an issue quite this big because this mm -hmm. is this is a lot, and I, I I'm not quite sure they made the right decision in trying to tackle all of it um and i i don't know i i guess the my, one of my questions i had for you is do you think mm -hmm. they made maybe a mistake in in the first place in you know if you can blip anything back to an, if you can snap anything to existence why wouldn't you just snap everybody back to where it left off five years before and nobody would know the difference you know i know it's a big reset button but honestly, kind of seeing the ramifications of this, it's almost like, seems like that would have been a better place. Because, I, again, I there's so many issues here. They deal with it as well as they can, but even in six episodes, mm -hmm. I don't know if this issue is just too big for a comic book show. Well, I don't know that it was too big for a comic book show because, I mean, if you think about it, well, I don't know how many comics you've read, but I, I know a lot of times in the comic books, things are very much um, nowadays in this vein of 
sort of problems that don't necessarily have a right or wrong answer. This is just a crazy problem that we didn't think would ever be possible. And now in this world, it is. Um, But I do think that it's a lot to tackle. And especially when you have a limited series to six episodes, I don't know how you're going to do that other than saying, yeah, it's a big problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think part of the reason that I bring that up is because, you know, really, in many ways, you know, this show is called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And obviously, we're dealing with the ramifications. Mm-hmm. But but th- to me, in the end, that's where the show is most successful is when we're with those characters dealing with their own emotional uh, arcs and, and where they're going to grow mm-hmm. in the show. And it's not uninteresting to deal with this. And, and everybody knows this, you know, if, if you listen to any, I love the more serious take, right? I mean, I the DCEU is, yeah. is my preferred comic book area over the MCU, right? Mainly because it, it takes things seriously. I think one of the things that I was thinking of in this is that, you know, whereas the DCEU... Um, you know, we immediately start by asking big questions with Man of Steel and then all the consequences get dealt with in, you know, BVS. And then, of course, you know, by the time we get to Justice League, we're dealing with all the ramifications there. So, like, it's really building on all of these big, big, big questions continually being asked and then being answered. Whereas I would say, you know, with the MCU, the only movies that have really been asking big questions have been the Captain America movies. and. They're the ones who will, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, it's uh, it's Captain America. We really ask, you know, big questions of what it truly means to be a hero. Uh, the second movie is is really uh, the big questions about like freedom and mm-hmm. what does it mean to be free and what will we do and what will we give up or what should we give up to to be free or not be free. And then, of course, Captain America Civil War is the only one that truly deals with the fallout of all of these things that the Avengers have been a part of, right? Um, but none of the other movies really make an effort to do that. And so I think as much as I love this, I just am still st- struck with this this thought process of it is very difficult, I think, for the MCU to be asking these questions like this because it's not its mode of operandus. You know, it's, it, 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 it's not mm-hmm. its M.O., um, which is to really deal with the the consequences of their actions uh, in the same way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love that they're doing it, but I, I think what I'm just saying is I would love if they did it more consistently and things not just Captain America related. Like, you know, I, I think it would be because obviously, you know, uh, Far from home basically makes a joke of people coming back with the blip, right? It literally is just a punchline over and over again. Whereas this, it's like very serious, like all of these issues are happening, which is, I think, the better take, but it's incongruous with the other things we've been getting in the MCU for the most part, again, other than the Captain America stuff. Well, and that too, I think is, you know, matter of who you ask, because I feel differently. I feel like Iron Man definitely always focused on serious issues. Um, and, you know, that um, Thor, I would say, you know, it's a little more fantastical, of course, but I don't know. We feel differently on that. So I'm not going to open that can. No, of I mean, but it's fine. I, I do. I do think 
though the way that I thought you were going with that was actually something I would agree with that maybe dealing with all of the things with the blip in this series, they needed to focus in a little bit more on the main characters and not so much big universe stuff. I I mean, I I think you either needed to have a whole show basically called like Marvel after surviving the blip, you know, or something. (laughs) Yeah. Or yeah, I do think, I think you're right. I think because one of the things that, sometimes sort of get sidelined here is the main characters um, for the larger storytelling purposes of what's going on in the MCU. And so mm-hmm. I almost wish, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if you just kind of focus more on the characters, I don't know if anybody would have cared as much as that we weren't getting super deep into the aftermath of the blip. And yeah. part of that would, I think been helped if you had just made things um a bit a little bit less severe still important obviously that you need these characters to come together you need these characters to do what they do uh but at the same time um yeah i i think nobody would have cared if we were spending more time with bucky and sam right uh right you yeah. know you just wouldn't so because they're the heart of the show and and part of that is so we get the flag smashers here and I was really interested to hear what you thought about the because they are a part of this whole thing in the sense that, you know, they want to stop the relocation of all of those who are alive during the blip and now are being the thought process is that they're going to be moved back to where they came from, you know, and that, mm-hmm. you know, they want the world to stay the same as it was in the blip, you know, um, and they're. At the same time, they're really willing at this point to kill to get it. Um, Mm -hmm. They're willing to put violence to back their message. And so what did you think of them kind of as, you know, really the main quote unquote villains of the series? So I really felt like it sucks for them that their ideals are not inherently bad. It's just the way that they go about things. So, you know, it is a good ideal to have to say we should all be more united and that, you know, sometimes symbols can be a bad thing that can Mm -hmm. brainwash people into doing terrible things, which they end up doing. Um, Right. And, you know, and then too saying that people that then forged new lives during the blip don't necessarily deserve to be kicked out and put back where they came from, Mm -hmm. which kind of brings in like our real life situation currently of dealing with issues with immigration, even, you know? Um, But uh, like I said, the way that they go about trying to accomplish these goals is the problem. So, and I'm sure that you and everybody probably feels the same. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating because, you know, and this is really, and, and this is also obviously very topical, but, you know, the way in which they kind of go about trying to get their message out is antithetical to the very thing they say they stand for, you know, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I think it's just really interesting because what what the the show, I think, does a great job of showing is that violence, the violence used by the Flag Smashers so often makes their message, you know, fall on deaf ears because it actually pushes away 
the people that they would want to bring to their side, right? Like mm-hmm. at the very end of the show, the the senator isn't really willing to hear them out because the actions that they've taken have made them terrorists, right? And right. you know, Sam is willing to say, look, we should we we need to stop calling people this or that and labeling people. But in the end, their actions really have made them that, you know? And so I, I think it, it it's obviously there this is one of those things where it's like with the flag smashers and the aftermath of blip, this is such a big conversation. You know, the show either needed to be longer and more focused on everything going on or it needed to be uh more focused just on sam and bucky but i'm i i'm I'm left feeling as much as i enjoy some of these conversations i do feel like we get a little bit short changed because everything has to be um you can't have the full understanding or the full truly you know diving in deep to all of these questions and everything and so we do end up kind of like brushing over things with with nice flowery speeches Mm -hmm. and you know it is a really nuanced thing this is a really big conversation it's not something you can just brush away with one speech by sam at the end of the series really yeah Uh, and i think you know to your point there, the speech could have been more impactful if that wasn't the situation. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, well, and, you know, so it makes for a really interesting conversation because, you know, what we see is we see these flag smashers and what they want. And really the show ends up becoming about power. And... Mm-hmm the difference of having power and how we use it. And so for me, it was really interesting because I I was really struck by having to kind of go back to, because obviously we have this whole idea about super soldiers and Steve Rogers and, you know, all of these things. And, and, And for me, the most interesting thing was discussing about, you know, why is Steve the prime example of how this works best, right? How to use power well. And it really came down to, okay, we've got to discuss what makes Steve special then? Like, why does Steve take the serum, but he doesn't become evil? What is it that makes Steve special? Steve had something that drove him above everything else, and that was that he was a good person, that he believed in things like protecting the weak and, um, you know, making sure that no one was misusing their power and, you know, being a gentleman, um, you know, things like that about a person that ultimately show everyone through their actions that they're good in their heart. And I think that it's then so hard for a lot of people to follow that, including Sam, because they feel like, how am I ever going to live up to the person that Steve was and that then became what Captain America was? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing that I was thinking about of when, you know, like like Steve, who is Steve? You know, he and he is this person who grows up knowing what it looks like to see people misuse power, right? Steve mm-hmm. is super scrawny, super skinny, super tiny. He's pushed around by everybody. He's smaller than everybody else. And so he completely understands what it means to have power misused, um, to pick on the weak. 
you know, and and mm-hmm. so like you said, absolutely, Steve grows up with this understanding that power is meant to be used to protect the powerless, right? Um, and and it's interesting because you know, like another literary character who has this is Harry Potter, right? Harry grows up in a way where he's always picked on, he's treated horribly, and yet he's a virtuous character, right? Why? Because he understands the misuse of power, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, Steve has these, like, virtues and these morals, and they're so ingrained with who he are, he is, and part of that is, again, is his upbringing. So he understands the misuses of power. Steve understands the, the main theme of the show, really, which is power without virtue equals tyranny, right? Who is Steve going up against in the movie, right? Red Skull, which is the very uh, definition of Nazi, right? Um, mm-hmm. Power with where power is the only virtue. Steve understands that power in and of itself is it, with without a without virtue behind it is going to be tyranny. And to me, that's the thing that makes Steve special, you know, and so without these virtues and morals to which he'd been ingrained in his childhood and growing up, the serum may have turned him into somebody else. But he already Mm -hmm. has that foundation so that once he has that serum, it truly does that thing, which, you know, um, we saw, you know, John Walker's friend say, which is power just makes you more of who you are, right? In many ways, that's true. This, the power that Steve had really just made him more of what he was, which is somebody who was always willing to stand up for what is right, regardless of the cost. He was willing to be self-sacrificial. And that's where Mm -hmm. when Sam says, you know, symbols are nothing without the people who give them meaning, Steve gave the shield meaning because symbols can't be manufactured to uh, to last. They have to be authentic. They have to be rooted in in something like reality. They have to be rooted in reality. They have to be rooted in virtue. And that's how they stand the test of time. And that's what made Steve so special. But it doesn't make Steve mm-hmm. a one in a million either. And that's the thing I thought was really, really interesting is that um, the show, I think, does a great job uh, in, in many ways. And I wish this is where I'm like, I wish we just focus more on Sam and Bucky because their stories are the ones that are so key to this. Really digging in to and we see some of it, but I would have loved to have seen even more of, OK, how are Steve and Sam similar, right? Like, what is it in their Mm -hmm. life that makes them similar? Because this deconstruction of, like, okay, we've talked about who is Steve, and, like, that's what makes us then accept Sam, because Sam basically is the the natural progression, right, of who Steve was and now progressing, not only for um, what it means to be Captain America, but having progress, right? We are going to have Mm -hmm. a black Captain America. And Mm -hmm. and so I think that's just something to me that was really important. Yeah. And I'm glad you added that into it, too, because that's something that I think you and I obviously like we've never experienced that period in history of the, the racial inequality. And, you know, now, unfortunately, it's kind of coming back up. But the fact that back in the day when these characters were created, they were all created Caucasian. And now, you know, thankfully, we're getting some more progress with that and getting to see that reflected in things like this show, that those aren't the only heroes out there. Mm -hmm. And that it could be anyone as long as they have those virtues 
that picks up the mantle. Yeah. Well, and and that's what makes this so interesting, too, is because power then, as we see it used by John Walker and Carly, they're not rooted in virtue um, of Mm -hmm. power being used as a way to help the powerless, you know, as being something that is self-sacrificial and not violent in the end. You know, in the end, what's fascinating to me is that John and Carly are actually just two sides of the same coin. You know, they're mm-hmm. they follow ideology, not virtue. So that, you know, when John's friend says, you know, power just makes a person more themselves, um, when you're an ideological person instead of a virtuous person, it just leads to violence to solve your problems instead of self sacrifice and willing to listen to the other side. So like to me it was fascinating because instead of embracing in 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 the end it's about like embracing belief over bitterness or faith over fatalism like we mm-hmm. really are watching that the use of power how we use it what we do with it um is is what really matters like again it kind of comes down to almost a harry potter thing which when harry's told by dumbledore it's our actions that show who we are right Mm -hmm. what we see john walker do and carly do are pretty much exactly the same things with the power they're given right and um neither of them really does better than the other uh until the very end where you know john kind of comes back to to being a slightly more virtuous and Carly continues down her path of like just wanton descru- destruction. Like she's willing to die for her cause, which, you know, a lot of people are willing to die for their cause, but mm. it's it's dangerously because she's she's not willing she's not willing to sacrifice her power for the betterment of her movement, she's willing to sacrifice herself. And those are two completely different things. Right. Well, and then even, you know, if you notice in the very last episode, she's willing to sacrifice other people's lives and they're thinking, I didn't agree to that. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So, uh, you know, she says, we'll all die for our cause. And they're like, I I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say I was going to do that. Um, so, yeah, you can see how she initially has this idea, as you said, ideological, um, that isn't a bad idea, but then twists it into something selfish and all about the power rather than the good that could come of it. She just tells herself the only language that, quote unquote, these people will understand, meaning those in power is more power and using Mm -hmm. people as a means to an end. And she never stopped to ask herself, maybe there's another way. And just continues down that path, Mm -hmm. even when she has people that are in the group with her going, there's living people still in that Mm -hmm. building. So, yeah. And then, I mean, John Walker great case in point where they're showing how the symbol of Captain America is then twisted into something terrible mm-hmm. when he uses the shield to kill someone. So, yeah, it's absolutely whatever, you know, you do that shows who you are. Well, and then not even the person who actually killed his friend, right? His friend. Like, yeah. It wasn't justice, you know, 
he called it justice. Mm-hmm. He he pretended like it was justice, but it's not. You know, he just laughed. Yeah, it's just vengeance. Yeah, it's just vengeance. And and you know, I think that's so, so interesting because we you know we see the global re, uh patriot or uh, whatever it's called the GRA or you know the GRC. The GRC. Yeah. So they. We see that senator talk about in the meeting before Carly and his her group break it up, which is that, you know, the optics are what we make it. You know, people will believe what we tell them. And this is the reason to which, you know, um, somebody like Carly gets so frustrated because she doesn't believe that there's a way to get the message in there because there's nobody there to speak for them, right? And And, right. and they're using the power for their benefit. Right. They're not thinking about anybody else. And and again, this is the whole point of this show. Power without virtue is just tyranny. In the end, you're going to be tyrannical. And I, I don't think the right use. Of, I think they misuse the phrase. People can write me if they think I'm wrong. Whatever. I think they misuse the term supremacy because it's a popular word to use right now. But I really think the word that it should be used is tyranny. It's tyrannical. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a much better use of that word because supremacy comes with a lot of different connotations to it that they're trying to drag out, but I don't think they're actually correct here. Um, In the end, though, the question is, what do we do with our power? You know, Sam, I think what he rightly challenges at the end, he's like, look, you have as much power as a crazy god, basically, in this world. You know, you can do all of these things basically with a phone call. What are you going to do with your power? Are you going Mm -hmm. to be self-sacrificial? Are you going to be using it for the benefit of the least of these? Which is a really biblical theme, really, in the end, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Or are you just going to be serving yourself and people like you? And I think it really is a great question because in our world— Power has become everything. And people are just willing to, we see it politically, people are willing to do whatever it takes to continue to stay in power. Um, and they'll, you know, kiss whatever babies they have to and steal their lollipops when they're not looking, regardless, because it will help them stay in power. And mm-hmm. this show, I think, rightly says power without virtue is tyranny and i think that is a really important message and and it does a great job of showing it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on you can be on john walker's side or you could be on more like carly's side in the end you still end up using power the same way if you're not Mm -hmm. doing it virtuously and to follow up on that point too i think that sam is even illustrating that at this point in the show with the people in power that are you know the grc making these decisions it's not even like a democracy anymore that america has become much more in that situation like a, an oligarchy where it's this small group controlling everything and not having any kind of input from the public to try and help their decisions so mm-hmm. I, I like that Sam addresses who else is in that room with you. It's just more people like you. Right. Yeah. No, it's a it's a great question. And it really is. You know, we, you know, it, specifically here in America, you know, our power is driven from the people. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. a it's a government for the people and by the people. And, you know, when you end up with a bunch of people who continually stay in power for 
years upon years, you know, you people who spend their entire lives in the Senate or whether, how are they actually serving us when they haven't lived a life that has anything to do with other than staying in their own power structure for, you know, 30 mm-hmm. years? I, I don't think that's healthy. So anyway, that's a whole other discussion, but that's a different yeah. podcast. Um, I, I do... I, it, I I I think it's really great. I love, you know, the time we spend with Sam. And as we mentioned earlier, I really wish that we had spent just more time with him and Bucky together. But Sam specifically, I think it's really great that this show, I think, does what it does in the sense that it does try to, I think, give us the ju- the comparison between why Sam is the right choice to pick up where Steve left off. And in many ways, it's because just like Steve, Sam has grown up with the lens of the misuse of power. He Mm -hmm. understands what that looks like, right? He's a black man in America. He's seen it firsthand, you know? Um, And he's experienced it just like Steve had, right? And so he's rooted in those virtues of self-sacrifice and love for others that give him the ability to keep on fighting, just like Steve, right? I can do this all day. And and mm-hmm. Sam has that spirit, even though he has he has the ability to be somebody who could choose bitterness, like Isaiah Bradley. He refuses bitterness and the nihilism that kind of comes with that and he chooses the fight for the best of what we could be because the symbol of the shield again has meaning because he's willing to embody the best of us right and i think that's the thing that makes this really special and again if there's anything this show could have done which is spend more time with just the arc of sam and bucky specifically together because they're so linked in this show and i would have liked to have spent even more time with this arc for sam Oh, 100%. I think that it in initially it was so exciting for me to see this show because it was about these two people who are um, unable to be taken away from that link to Steve. You know, they both have this very personal relationship with him and felt such an incredible loss when he was gone. And then to have that feeling of not knowing how to move forward Sam feeling like he's unworthy and Bucky feeling like he is in a different way of um, he's done all of these things that he blames himself for when it really wasn't his fault. Um, And that Bucky even places his own value on whether or not Sam takes up the mantle of being cap now. Um, So there's a lot behind that. And I do think that you could have had an entire show Mm -hmm. that's more, of a character yes. study yes, and not dealing yep. with all the other world stuff. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I like that they also show Sam's roots, you know, that he came from a small town in the South. He's got a family. His parents had, you know, started this business from the ground up of running a fishing boat. Um, and then he goes back multiple times whenever he can to his roots and to, you know, remember what matters. Um, and to try and show his sister that he still cares and he would be there if he could be mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and I like that they then bring Bucky into that, you know, and they're, they're showing that Bucky also needs that sense of family and has no one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think he 
definitely before I even saw this show, I felt like Sam was the best choice and definitely exhibited those virtues that Steve would have mm-hmm. wanted. Um, and let's be honest, right. he is America's ass 2.0. <laughs> well, and I think the thing that I like what you said, which is they show where Sam comes from. And what do we learn mm-hmm. in this show is that Sam's family embodies the virtues that helped people. They were self-sacrificial family. They were continually yep. giving to others, even if it hurt them, right? You know, mm-hmm. his, his sister is just like mom, which is taking care of everybody in the neighborhood, right? Feeding everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's something beautiful about that. I think that there's something special about the fact that they put Sam uh, in a place where he comes from Louisiana. He comes from the South. He comes from a place where those classic virtues and morals haven't been lost yet. And Mm -hmm. that helps us understand that Sam, in many ways, is so much like Steve. And in many ways, it's Sam's experience. Uh, as a black man in America that help him understand what Steve understood, which is power misused goes terribly. And therefore we should take mm-hmm. the power and responsibility that it comes with very seriously. And mm-hmm. so I think that this is really important. And, and Sam, I think is really special in the sense that he refuses to wallow in his history but he also refuses to lose it. But he's going to use it as a foundation to forge a better future. He's mm-hmm. also not going to be defined by his characteristics, but he's going to work to be defined by his character. And that's yeah. basically Martin Luther King. And I think that's really beautiful today. Because one of my favorite things in there, in this show, is when they go to see I say Bradley for the first time and the kid's like hey it's Black Falcon he's like it's just Falcon kid he's like mm-hmm. but it's, he's like because it's because I'm black you know like he refuses to be defined by characteristics that he can't change right. what he's saying is no I should just be defined by my character what I mm-hmm. do you know which is the only thing you could judge anybody by I, I can't change the color of my skin nobody can but yeah. I can change the way that I act and what people see. And therefore, I can be defined by my character and not by the color of my skin. And I think, again, mm-hmm. it's so Martin Luther King. It's so beautiful. And I think it makes it really beautiful that, again, Sam shows himself to be much like Steve. They have a similar background in many ways when it comes to the idea of power and how it could be misused or how it can be used well. And he rightly understands what it means to then pick up the shield and embody the best of us, which is, yeah, we're not perfect, but we, we can do, we can continue to try to do better. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's something really beautiful in that. And I'm so glad that you added that too about the, how much Sam reflects in some of the things that he says, Um, you know, some of that from Martin Luther King's similarities, because I think that's exactly why when someone says, oh, it's black Captain America. And the guy says, no, it's Captain America. Um, It's such a beautiful moment. And it just also combined with 
Sam finally getting what he has earned. Mm-hmm. Um, I I cried. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest because I was like, this is what I was waiting for, like the whole time, you know, since yeah. the end of Endgame. That's what I wanted for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that and then um, the scene where he takes Isaiah Bradley to the memorial Mm -hmm. and shows him the statue and his story that Sam got erected about Isaiah's contribution to America. I I loved that, you know, and honestly, you know, with the Isaiah Bradley story, it's a sad story. You know, it is a story which is terrible. And I think it does reflect that America does have a history of not always treating people uh, well, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it it's something we do have to reckon with. I love that that you know, like you said, Sam works to do what he can to rectify the situation because Isaiah thought he would always be forgotten, and what people always want is to know that they're important to somebody and Sam helps make Isaiah important, not just to him, but to the world. And I think there's a real beauty in that. Um, People want to be seen. They want to be known, and they want to be loved. And Isaiah was none of those things. And, And that was America's fault for not taking care of him the way that they should have. And, um... I think what the show does a beautiful job of, especially with Isaiah and Sam, is showing that we are in a place where we can have a black president. We can have a, you know, mixed race vice president. You know, we we can we can make those changes. You know, we can we can we can make a difference. We can choose differently. And I I like that they even seem to wrap into that just dealing with uh, how veterans are treated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, 100%, that was also why Isaiah was so happy, was feeling like someone's also Mm -hmm. recognizing he did something self-sacrificial and then he was abused. Yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I think that that was a really heartwarming mm-hmm. moment and meant so much about so many different things. Um, right. Well, and it's a different thing, too. Like, you know, Steve knows, and all the guys trying out for the Super Soldier Serum know that they're a part of a special project, right? Mm-hmm. Isaiah Bradley and the rest of the men in his group, they don't know that. They're just being used. Um. It's never said whether or not the rest of the men in the group are are black either, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. It's just these men that just are being used by the government at that point, regardless of their race. Isaiah happens Mm -hmm. to be the one that it worked on and didn't die from the experiments. And so, you know, I think it's... um, it is it is really something and and I, look i'm i'm definitely not somebody who's not willing to completely admit you know we we all all countries but you know america since that that's what we're talking about here we've got faults in our past right and our mm-hmm. our goal should be able to admit those and to overcome them and i think that's one of the things again that sam does a great job of is that 
he's using the future to for he's using the past to forge a better future. He's not using right. it as a way to continue re relitigate the past. Because we've got to be able to move forward. And the only way to do that is to find a way to learn from the past to make the future better. So, and that's something that, you know, the, the entire Bucky story is about with him dealing with the aftermath of being the Winter Soldier and trying to find a way to make amends when basically he was a murder machine for all those years, even though he literally didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why it's so ironic in the beginning when, you know, he's they're going back and forth with him and his therapist and then to the scene of him attacking that woman and then saying, this is me making amends. And you're going, yeah, right. You think it is. <laughs> How is that making amends? What did you do that's any different other than you didn't kill her this time? <laughs> Yeah, he did get her out so, of power, but yeah. And he didn't kill her, so yeah. yeah. I mean, he's definitely progressed some, right? Yeah. But, you know, that's not a, a huge <laughs> step forward. Right. So, yeah, it, I like that then it becomes about Sam teaching Bucky that, A, he's got to forgive himself and realize that it wasn't his fault. Because you can tell this whole time it does weigh on him. And I mean, like it would anyone, even though you were brainwashed, still feeling like, would it was still my body that did it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, too, he says, you've got to go out and actually do the work of caring about how it affects the other people and not how it's affecting you. So it's looking at making amends a different way. It's not just going right. out and saying, hey, sorry, I killed your son. It's saying we need to have a conversation. And I love that that's how they come back to that is then him sitting down with the old man from China mm-hmm. and telling him everything. Right. And saying, I can't imagine what that feels like to no longer have your son mm-hmm. because of me. Yeah. I think I, I think that's that's really good. And and I love that you bring up the, the fact that, you know, Sam gives him the tough love of saying you got to do the hard work. And the hard work is mm-hmm. not, it's not about making you feel better. It's about making, yeah. trying to make the other people feel better to find a difference. How can you alleviate some of the pain you've caused? How can you self-sacrifice to make others feel better, right? And and that's what a hero is. It's self-sacrifice. And so Bucky having to go to that man and say, I'm the one that murdered your son. That's hard work like you're taking responsibility for something that you did even though you in many ways you were not responsible for it you know Mm -hmm. and 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 it's not going to make you feel better but it will give him closure that's the hard work and i think that's the beauty of this show in some ways is that it is about showing that hard work and self-sacrifice are what make heroes we're not willing to take the easy way out you know, I mean, I think yeah. that's something beautiful we didn't talk about, but it's one of the things that makes Sam special. He refuses to take the super, super soldier serum. He's going to do the hard yeah. work, which is he's not going to be a superhero. He's just going to be a hero. And because mm-hmm. there's nothing super, quote unquote, about his DNA, 
right? He is just going to choose to yeah. do what's right regardless of the cost. And Bucky has to learn that hearing. I, you know, I, I love, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about Bucky is that he's got a, he, he's, well, he's not as welcome in Wakanda as he was, but mm-hmm. he's, he, he still found a way to be a guy that's white and be respected and cared for and loved and understood by all of these black characters. And there's never a discussion really mm-hmm. about the difference between them because there's no difference, right? Other than their yeah. skin color. Um, and I think there's something really beautiful about that, you know, with Bucky and Sam, Bucky and the Wakandans. You know, I think there's really something quite beautiful about that, showing what it should look like for us to live together. Um, and it's about mutual respect, right? And and mm-hmm. I, I, there's just something really neat about that. And again, this is one of the places where the show, I feel like if it was more just a character study of these two, which in some ways I wish it was, because I really think we could have gotten even deeper into the dig really deep. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll get a season two or something where we can do that more. But, you know, I, I would love to see that. Also, can I just mm-hmm. say how much I love the flirtation between Bucky and Sam's sister and totally <laughs> want them to be together? Like, I'm shipping them hard yes. because I'm like, no, Bucky deserves a family finally, and he deserves to be family with Sam. I just think that would be yeah. so cool. Well, it's funny that you said that because I was saying I was kind of hoping that's where that final episode was going to wrap up was like them going out on a date or mm-hmm. something. Because even though the joke is that Sam says, quit hitting on my sister, wouldn't you want someone that you already trust to be yeah. your sister's mate? I mean, my best friend married my sister. So, there you go. So, yeah. So, you know, even in the beginning, you're kind of like, you know, protective brother. It's like, well, it's better than, you know, some guy I've never met before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and and I mean, obviously, those two... You know, I mean, they have this kind of like little love-hate relationship, but they truly do. I mean, you could tell these guys love each other, right? And and yeah. so, and they have each other's back completely. And I think that's that's a special thing. So, I mean, I'm I'm definitely looking to see more of them. And hopefully, as they've announced that there will be Captain America four with Sam. I'm obviously Bucky's got to be there with him, and I think it'll be really fun. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the- oh, and side note, sorry, one more thing I, we forgot to mention. I also love the struggle that the two of them go through between each other and the therapy session that they have together. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty great. That was one of the funniest things of this whole show. That and then the two of them trying to sneak up on that group in the first episode. Yeah, that was pretty good. And uh, Sam says, you spend a little time in Wakanda and suddenly you're a white panther. Yeah, he's like, it's white wolf. (laughs) Um, I was actually hoping at the end of the show that they would have said Captain America and white wolf i think because obviously that'll be his oh, new yeah. moniker which is it's totally earned at this point he's not the winter soldier anymore he is the white wolf yeah so you know john walker was a character that i did not expect to be as sympathetic as they end up portraying him i mean you know obviously being this man who has been on the front lines many times he's clearly got ptsd 
um, for all the things that he's been through. He's got an incredible best friend, you know, who we also see being black, you know, who, I mean, he's somebody who's loved by that family, you know, uh, and by Watkins family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just, I just was not, I was shocked that they went this way with him that, you know, because he's, he's the guy, you know, cause his friend tells him, look, you continually choose the right things in the heat of battle. And what we learn about John Walker is unlike Steve, he's not always able to choose the right thing every time, but most of the time he can. And that's what we see at the very end where he, do I go after Carly or do I save these people? And he saves those people. And I thought, I just, I did not expect him to be this sympathetic. I think the thing that would have been better for the show is to spend a little bit more time on what makes him who he is, which he clearly is a guy who has PTSD. And, you know, obviously Sam understands that. We saw that, in, you know, and uh, Winter Soldier where he's counseling veterans. But I thought they missed an opportunity to talk about that struggle that veterans have with many of them, especially those that have been in terrible combat situations like John Walker obviously was, they, they come back different and that does do something to somebody. Mm -hmm. And that that's what is fueling his problem with Mm -hmm. rage and of like, you're saying like not making the right decision all the time. Um, And I mean, you know, I do understand that initial feeling of him wanting vengeance after losing Lamar. It's just that he then is also in now this situation of being a public figure where it's not just some guy getting vengeance for his friend. It's a public figure who's caught getting vengeance for a friend and also not with the right person. And in general, just, you know, that obviously it's wrong Mm because you're killing someone else. Um, So it's all these other layers on top of that that make it even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he doesn't really have a prayer from the get-go becoming Captain America because he's following in the shoes of Steve Rogers. And, you know, I mean, he might have if he had not dealt with all these other issues before he came into that role. But... um, I know I for sure and I'm sure a lot of people that love Captain America as a character felt so betrayed seeing someone suddenly mm-hmm. wearing the suit and carrying the shield and we're like, who's this guy? Yeah. So And he's not a bad guy. He's just not the yeah. right guy to be Captain America. You know, and And he needs help. Yeah, he does. And I I think it's disappointing that the show doesn't really spend any time with that. Um and I, I I wanted to ask you, you know, I, look, I'm not as I'm not steeped in Marvel comics, but I had no idea who the Contessa is when she comes in and him being the U.S. agent. But uh, what did you think of that whole situation as attached to John Walker? Did you know who those char- like who those characters are? So I have some knowledge of Marvel stuff comic wise, but um, this part I had not gotten to in the comics. So no, I wasn't prepared for there being a new Captain America and then, you know, becoming U.S. agent and having the Contessa. Um, So it it was an interesting thing to see. um, And I did hear from other friends of mine that it was consistent somewhat with the comics. Um, So I I don't know. We'll see where they go with it. I personally feel 
that everything that they did with the Contessa should have just been a stinger. I don't think it needed. To, yeah. I think they needed to take it out of the show and just add that time to Bucky and Sam because I don't think it was important enough. Those all feel like stinger things and not something that you should put in the middle of a show. Um, yeah, yeah, it did feel like there just wasn't enough meat mm-hmm. to it to have it right. be so long. Okay, so uh, I'm really interested to see what you think of what they did with Sharon. I was upset. <laughs> because here's the thing. You and I both know she is Peggy Carter's niece. And mm-hmm. Peggy Carter, just like Steve, upheld certain virtues and I just feel like because Sharon would have had a similar upbringing having Peggy as an aunt, she would have never felt like this was the right way to handle her problems. So I, I don't know if it's something that's already was written that way in the comics or something, or if this is something that was a new decision made for the show. Um, but I feel like this is a, terrible character decision and just doesn't feel natural to me for what Sharon as a character would Mm -hmm. do. I'm really glad you said that because I was very disappointed as well. And the Mm -hmm. reason I'm disappointed is is because the last time that we saw Sharon Carter, um, she had stolen the shield uh, and the wings for Steve and for Sam so that they could go do what they needed to do. She gave a speech that came straight from the comics uh, about how, you know, uh, when the world says move and you know it's wrong, you know, you don't move. You tell them to move, right? Mm -hmm. This incredible thing. I just do it's one of the best speech in comics, you know, uh from Cap that they used for Sharon. And then we're supposed to ex- accept that this character has gone on for the 5 years because she's been on the run from the US government that she's turned into this complete and utter traitor to the United States government to everything that she ever stood for. Uh no, it does not work. It's terribly written. It's mm-hmm. awful. Like, um, it's I if the rest of the sh- if I did not enjoy the rest of the show, I would have been just as mad as I was at WandaVision. And you know how mad I was at WandaVision. But this is almost mm-hmm. as atrocious writing wise. Because there's nothing to legitimize her do making this decision. No. And the other thing is that as a fan, I even though she was not a part of, of Infinity War and she was not a part of Endgame, they just couldn't find her way to, to put her in those films. Steve was also on the run. Can you yeah. imagine that Steve didn't hook up with, uh, and I don't mean sexually, but they didn't like connect in that time period, in those five years, mm-hmm. like, there's no way that he didn't have her back. 
It's yeah. Steve Rogers. Come on. So all of this is terrible writing for Sharon. It's horrible writing for Sharon because it doesn't make any sense from what we know of the character in the last place that we left her. Um, it is the mm -hmm. most cursory understanding of the character as we've had her in the MCU, right? I understand I, from other people that in the comics, she does have a kind of a arc that goes kind of like this. But as for what we've had uh, okay. here, doesn't make any sense. Right. Like all, all previous knowledge in the film MCU, it wouldn't make any sense. And that she would then become. She has the virtue of the Steve Rogers. Broker. Yeah. So. And Peggy was her family. Right. And they both would have taught her far different. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, she just becoming the power broker and then getting her presidential pardon and still using, you know, planning all of this deceit behind the scenes. I just don't buy it mm -hmm. and it feels wrong. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I get the. Uh, Obviously, they're setting up Captain America 4, right? Which, you know, who he's going to have to go against could be a combination between Sharon and the Contessa, right? I, that's what my feeling yeah. is. Um, and so, well, and U.S. agent. Well, and, and I know Contessa turns out to be a Hydra agent in the end, too. So it could be like Hydra 2.0. So, um, mm. but I, yeah, I was just, I was mad. So about that, uh, it just... No, I'm with you. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt the yeah. show. Um, and and part of that is again, it's just not there story wise to do that. If you're going to do that, you needed to have had some, um, storylines for Sharon that helped explain the the five years and the choices she had to make and everything. But again, from what I know of Steve and what I know of Sharon, there's no way that she would have gone down this road and that she would have been felt quote unquote abandoned by everyone, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. it, yeah. So, um, it does make me kind of wish that they had added her into infinity war and, or to end game. So this couldn't have happened. So, um, mm -hmm. we should probably quickly talk about Zemo. I know lots of people got all, uh, excited about Zemo uh, I thought he was fine in the show. I thought it was really interesting in the show. Um, but I also uh, I thought it was, to me, I, I thought that they continued to show why Zemo is also a character. He's so black and white. He has absolutely no nuance that he can't see how he's wrong. Like that somebody could mm -hmm. be uh, somebody with the super soldier serum and you know, not be what he calls a supremacist, right? And mainly because don't we see Bucky doing that? Bucky is literally choosing to be a different person, even though he has super soldier serum. Say that three times fast. <laughs> right? Coursing through his veins. But he's literally choosing mm. the hardest thing in the world, which is to be a completely different person to what he was made into being. And... Yeah, uh, I just I think that proves Zemo to be wrong, honestly. Um, and it's not just Steve that is an example of that. It's also Bucky. Yeah, I mean, well, and you see time and time again, especially even in the show that Zemo will do some things that seem like he's coming around and maybe learning the error of his ways. 
because he's teaming up with them. You know, he's willing to do some things, but it's really more for him. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, he's willing to work with Sam and Bucky because he wants to stop the flag smashers as well. But he doesn't really care about Sam and Bucky. Right. He's not turning into a good guy. <laughs> he, uh, you know, still does when they, uh, I thought it was so funny. My husband called it that uh, in the scene where they go and confront the guy making the super mm-hmm. soldier serum. Oh, yeah. They're in the middle of talking to the guy and Zemo just shoots him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, what just happened? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's still sold out to this idea that nobody can be a super soldier and be a good person other than Steve Rogers. And again, yep. I think he's uh, he's actively being shown that's not the case through Bucky. Mm-hmm. And and yep. what I think that shows is that when we're not av- when we're not able to stop ourselves and question our own beliefs, as is, do, are we really right about a thing? And when we just become dogmatic about a thing, that's when we're lost, right? Like that there's, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and I think Zemo is definitely that person. He and, and that's kind of the thing that, you know, we also see Carly and John Walker get in trouble with, really, right? This like, the, yeah. Their ideology is so entrenched that it can't be questioned. Like it is law to mm-hmm. them. And uh, that's, you know... Uh, that's not right. That's not how it works. It's not how life works. Yep. So um, I was going to ask you uh, before we kind of hit the end here with, uh, as we're rounding third, um, what'd you end up thinking of the action for the show? I thought the action was really good. I think there were there a couple of times, I think, when um, you see Sam flying that the effects could have been a little better. But overall, I really enjoyed um, getting to see him using the wings, getting the new wings later. Um, and especially he and uh, Bucky with their back and forth and jumping out of the plane, it, all of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I and I have to add to that, too, speaking of action or, you know, the interesting things about the show. I like that every episode at the very end had some kind of big reveal um, and then they're using that to bring in the Wakandans. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it, it, how did it work for you? Yeah, I think for the most part, the action is pretty good. Um, so one of the things that I do have an issue with with any movie, this is not just a MCU thing or just any any show. Um, one of the things that they didn't do great was in the larger action sequences. I think the smaller action sequences were much better. Uh, like the fight between Bucky and Sam and John Walker was great. He felt in many ways very mm-hmm. much like we saw in uh, Civil War, you know, that fight between the three of them. Uh, but right. just switch out, you know, uh, the with Captain America and, and Iron Man. Um that was great. Um, I think it's the larger ex- action sequences, though, that kind of suffer a little bit. And part of that is because of... I, and I'll use the very first action sequence with Sam as an example. He's flying towards uh, a fixed point, right? He's, you're trying not to cross this border. 
And mm-hmm. so the but the problem is is the moment that we get into the canyon, we lose all spatial reality. Like I have no idea which way the border is. I have no idea which way. Right. So and and that's really important in action sequences to to keep the momentum going in a and and basically it's about camera movement too. And so I just get lost. You just get lost. And it just becomes kind of this big mess of an action sequence because we're flying through these canyons. Everything looks the same. I have no idea which way is up, which way is down, which way that we're not supposed to be going, which way we are supposed to be going, you know, any of that. And so that's one of the places where I think the larger action sequences just suffered that the smaller ones don't. Uh, and, And I think that's, that kind of becomes a directorial problem. Like being able to have the vision to do massive set pieces like that takes really clear vision. Uh, and so I think that was something that was a little bit missing. But on a whole, it's fine. I have no issues. You know, I enjoyed again. I really liked uh, I, I really liked the the big action set. Or I really liked the action set pieces that we got you know, that were smaller and more intimate, specifically thought the one with um, the uh, the guys, all three of them together, uh, just, you know, it was really personable. Uh, and it was really terrible, you know, like, you know, again, John Walker being kind of driven to almost like killing Sam, you know, like it, it's, mm-hmm. it just, it's really good. That stuff's great. So... Really like that. And I think one of the things that helped, too, was the fact that they brought um, Henry Jackman back to do the music, who had done the music for um, other Captain America movies, especially he did Winter Soldier. And, of course, you know, bringing back the theme he has for Winter Soldier and that, I think, all worked really well. So I, I think smart on them to bring him back to do the music here. Absolutely. That was something that definitely stood out to me. And you catch that theme a mm-hmm. lot. And it's something that was so great about the Marvel movies um, that I think you needed if you're going to then tie these together with the movies. So, yeah, the music was amazing. And, um, you know, he's done a lot of other great music. Yeah. So I d- didn't expect that it wouldn't be. But it helped a lot to have that continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. So, um, well, I guess, you know, really in the end, all in all, it comes down to the ratings uh, for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'm going to give it a four out of five shields because I think that it truly has so much that really makes it a deep and meaningful show and something that I'll go back and revisit a lot. Um, And it still has some humor to it. Um, So it's not all serious all the time, but it's definitely more steeped in the Marvel story than I felt like we got as much with WandaVision. Um, And I love that brotherhood that you see form between Sam and Bucky, like it was with Bucky and Cap. So it meant a lot to me. And like I said, some parts even made me cry. So I I really enjoyed it. There's only a few things I might have changed. Um, So I wouldn't give it a perfect score, but I think a four out of five is good. I think for me, 
you know, as we talked about, there are a couple of detriments to the show. One is the fact that it's not more just focused on Sam and Bucky. I mean, that's really the most important thing here. And of course, the we talked about my supreme dislike for what they do with Sharon and and how they kind of introduce that storyline. I think quite terribly. So, on the other side, though, there's so much that I did end up liking about the show. I thought the thematic elements that we talked about and talked through were so important and honestly so relevant and so wonderful for today. I wish more people would, you know, kind of take what's being said here to heart because if we could do that, if we could all be a little bit, you know, more like this theme um, is not seeing a power to an end, but power to be used virtuously, I think it would make a huge difference. And so... I would give this three and a half out of five broken wings. Uh, this show mm-hmm. is a vast improvement over the terrible WandaVision and should have been the first show out here for the MCU. Uh, and I am excited for us to get to Loki because I think it'll be uh, a fun show. You know, I love Tom Hiddleston. I love the character of Loki. I'll be very interested to see what they do there. Uh, and, you know... Uh yeah. Um this was a this was a a good stepping stone. So I'm I'm maybe Loki mm-hmm. will be, you know, the that four four and a half show, who knows. So But Christy, it's that time of the show where we do our recommendations. Woo-hoo. Uh so I have an interesting one. I have another documentary that I want to recommend actually. Uh and this one I found on Netflix. It's called The Last Blockbuster. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't but, gotten uh, to see it yet, but I do know it exists. Okay. So. And it's actually near you. Yes, closer to you true. than it is to me. It's in Bend, Oregon. And uh, this whole movie came about because somebody found out that there were only, I think it was at the time, four blockbusters left in the world a few years ago. And then uh, those closed. There were three, I think, that were in Alaska of all places that ended up closing. And finally the last one standing, which is still there as of right now, um, which is the one in Bend, Oregon. Um, And basically they go into the whole story of how, you know, Blockbuster rose to fame because of just, you know, great circumstances of having a more uh, refined system that was regulated across locations rather than a mom and pop thing where everything is different. And then, you know, with the rise of um, Netflix, um, that things started to go downhill. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a twist that it it wasn't all Netflix's fault. So I'm going to let you watch it to find out. But I highly recommend checking it out. Well, for me, I uh, got a chance to go back to theater again this weekend. And I've been really enjoying just, you know, uh, I've got the AMC A-list so I can see pretty much anything because I can see three months movies a week and a new movie came out uh this last week with ed helms called together together and it is a movie about a man in his 40s who uh is divorced and wants a family so he hires a surrogate and it's about what happens after that and you know just a really heartwarming movie about what it means to be a human and that we as humans need each other. We need connection. 
and I think it's um, it's a good movie. You know, it's I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it's a good movie, and I really enjoyed seeing it. Um, and I, you know, in this time where movie theaters are trying to get back on their feet, if you can go to the movies, this one was worth seeing. I really and en- I did enjoy it, and uh, it it really had a great message to it. And Ed Helms gives a great performance, so I recommend going to see together together nice yeah so uh christy though if people want to catch up with you see what else you do have going on where can they find you well when i'm not i'm here on 602 club i do another show called sabers and spells with my friends amanda and Teresa, where we talk about some geek stuff that we don't usually get to talk about so uh you know like we may get around to never-ending story um actually our next episode we're going to be talking about how we got into marvel fandom as a whole so good time for that um and then if you want to find me online i am at uh Bespin Bell on Instagram and Twitter, and then you can also find me in the Babel Conference. Awesome. Uh, you can also find me uh, all over the place under social media and the social media platforms, Matt Rushing 2 Make sure you search for that. And please do follow me, catch up with me. I'd love to, to talk to you. Uh, you can also find me here on the network doing Snyder Cuts with John Mills, talking about all the things that Zack Snyder's directed. We've still got uh, Army of the Dead coming up, so you can check that out there in this feed with the 602 Club. You can also find me doing Literary Treks in the Orb with uh, Chris Jones. Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek, and then the Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And over on the Nerd Party Network, wrapped up Owl Post with Drea Kaufman. As this show drops, uh, this episode of the 602 Club, we'll have finished Owl Post. We will have covered every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. And then doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills. It's a Star Wars podcast. And we look at all the things in the Star Wars galaxy that we love together. And it is a lot of fun, so I hope you'll join us. But thank you so much for joining us and y'all come back now you here hear